Out Loud, where we discuss polyamorous relationships and queer sexuality with your hosts, Rowan and Rose. Welcome to Dating Out Loud. I'm Rose, a polyamorous, pansexual, married cis woman. And I am Rowan, a transgender woman, um, pansexual uh, ish, sapphic, um, what else am I? Uh, polyamorous, that's one of them. Witchy? Yes. And we're both self proclaimed goddesses. Yeah. Don't forget. And today we are going to be talking about our queer origin stories. Are we? Are you ready for this? Um, I might be. Okay, we did our polyamorous origin stories, and we were talking about how they felt a little bit like superhero origin stories. So, first question, what would your superhero power be? Um, what is it when you can, like, transform? Shapeshift? Shapeshifting, yeah. You'd be a shapeshifter? But that's the, like, standard transgender one. It it is. It is. Um, If I'm not choosing something that's trans stuff, um, maybe telepathy. Oh, yeah. I like to know what people think. Hmm. I feel like that would be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, like, being an empath is similar. Yeah. So. I'd probably choose the same, though. Maybe telekinesis. Yeah, you want to move stuff with your head? Yeah. Why? Um, power. <laughs> would you just play a bunch of pranks on people or what? I think I would just, yeah, like manipulate objects around me and it just sounds powerful and fun. Or just use it to get the remote or your tea or yeah. your coffee. Yeah. Okay, so good. We got that out of the way. Now... Before we launch into our personal queer origin stories, I just have to ask you, what do you think about the term queer? Oh, boy. Can of worms. Open. <laughs> um, so I, I actually had a very long discussion with a friend of mine on Facebook um, regarding this specifically. Um, the word queer is a very charged word. Um, and that makes it very difficult to sort of handle in a lot of ways. Um, I identify queer as queer in a lot of ways. And I think that that informs the way that I use it. Um, but I personally have to at, at least consider the history of the word, um, as well. Um, I don't know if you know much about its etymology. Yeah, a bit. Okay. So it was originally used in like 1881 was the first time it was used by, uh, by like a count. Um, and he used it in a letter, um, when he was talking about his, um, gay relative, I think it was his brother. Um, and he used it in a very derogatory way. Um, uh, the, the word means weird or odd. Um, and after that, for about 40 years or so, um, it was used almost exclusively as a derogatory term. And, um, then about 1914, um, the 
gay male community started to reappropriate it and use it to describe themselves. And ever since then, um, it has been, it has gone back and forth between being reclaimed by the LGBTQIA community and also being used as a derogatory term. Um, and I myself have experienced it as a child being used as a derogatory term. Um, so I recognize that there are a lot of people who have had it thrown at them and have, have felt the pain and attack, um, of that term. Um, and so I'm, I want to acknowledge that and I want to be very careful about the way that I use it personally. Um, but I also understand, and, and this was a big part of the conversation that I had with my friend was, is that it is a identity for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and as such, it needs to be honored that way. Um, especially for like gender queer people, um, who predominantly use they, them pronouns, um, and, or may use they, them pronouns and, and because a lot of people acknowledge that it was used, um, pejoratively don't understand that it's an identity. And so they don't acknowledge someone else's identity because of that. So I don't know is the short answer to that. Um, because that was the short answer. Well, I don't know is the short answer. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, to that long diatribe. Uh, that's really interesting though. I did not know it went back that far. Yeah. And I think that it's going to, I mean, I, I think that it's very clearly going to be just an identity moving forward. I don't think that it's, I, I think that it's use as a pejorative is, is falling off. Yeah. Um, but there's still people alive who feel that. Yeah. So I, I recognize that for yeah. sure. What about you? How do you feel about it? To me, it is comfort and it is an identity. Absolutely. And in my experience, it's really been only used as something that made me feel inclusive, uh-huh. like included. So uh, I really, I really love the term queer. And the first time I heard it in my early teens, it was like, oh my gosh, there's finally a term for me. Is how I felt. That's why I say it's a comfort because it's like it was a relief to know and experience myself as not straight but not having to clarify or define or pick a side like sometimes people say um and just feel that felt sense of being queer so I like it a lot I use it a lot um but I know it does have a history so I think it's as we're sharing you know we both use it a lot in the podcast and and as we share our queer origin stories I think it's important to just name it to recognize that it's got a history yeah for sure for sure I use it all the time I call myself queer so but so origin stories yeah when was the first time you knew you were queer (sighs) that's 
a hard question. Right off the bat, start with the hard question. So, I mean, it's a difficult question for me because I've... I've not always had the words to describe it. Um, and so much of my identity is tied together in this big knot, um, as a lot of people's are. Um, but for me, it's it's tied up in, in gender yeah. for the most part. Um, so, so this touches very closely to my, my trans origin story which means that there are a lot of instances in my history that I can look back on and say, when I was eight or when I was 10 or when I was 13 and go, oh, that makes sense now. Um, but right. I did not understand at the time um, what was going on or how I felt. Um, so what that comes down to in a lot of ways is that um, I did not recognize or identify as queer in any way until I was 30. But, um, but I can look back and see the ways that I was projecting that. It also means that I don't really have a stereotypical, like queer childhood, like a lot of, um, uh, growing up, um, people who are gay, lesbian, um, bisexual deal with sexuality as they grow up. Um, I grew up mm. looking in, in very many ways as a, um, cisgender heterosexual male. Um, and there are things about that that I really miss. Um, I've been feeling that a lot, um, lately, uh, nostalgically where I, I really wish I got to be that. Wait, wait, wait. You mean you miss the privilege? No, 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 no. I I am sad that I did not get the opportunity to be a awkward lesbian. Oh. Like teenager. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Yeah. I was an awkward child. Um, but I don't know. I, I I understand that a lot of people have a lot of pain tied up in that and I get that. Um but I see different media sources and stuff like that. And I'm just, oh, I wish that I, I wish that I got to be a teenage girl who had a crush on my best friend, mm -hmm. um, and had to deal with that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like it sounds highly romantic, but that was me, and it was not fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. I get that. Um. So, so touching on that, when was the first time you recognized? Yeah, like you said, I didn't really ha necessarily have the words or feel the need to define it. It's just kind of seemed like a natural part of who I am. And as soon as I started exploring myself sexually, I knew that that was a part of it and probably in some part just from media from noticing that like I was attracted to men and women and people who were gender queer ish that was very intriguing to me uh -huh. um but yeah I was one of those confused ish 14 year olds that had my first sexual experience with a woman 
and it was a slumber party, just her and I. And suddenly, I know. And suddenly, she had this idea of like we were gonna take bath together, and I'm like, okay, this sounds like strange, but also I'm into it, so. Yeah, I watched. This sounds so weird. Oh god, it's embarrassing. But yeah, I watched her bathe, and I was like, "This is fucking hot. <laughs> this one's happening. This is definitely hot." <sighs> so then we got to like sleep in bed together, and you know, hands wandered. We hooked up. I orgasmed. It was lovely. And then I had that excitement of like, "Ooh, maybe there's someone close to me that's also feels this way, and we can explore this, and it's gonna be exciting." And Went to school the next day, like, wondering how that would all play out. And it played out as her completely never talking about Aww. that ever again. So that was that was my intro uh, to the world of um, being queer. But really what kind of I knew I needed to find some kind of community. Uh-huh. So being a part of the Gay Straight Alliance was a huge part of my queer identity upbringing just being exposed to people that were like me and also different from me and um yeah getting introduced to that term queer and not having to define anything other than how I felt so I kind of just saw myself that way but I was mostly in my history in monogamous relationships with men so I think I kind of had that privilege where I could just pass this straight and never really have to call myself out on it I kind of felt like the people closest to me knew I definitely hooked up with my friends now and then when I wasn't in relationship with someone and I kind of just thought that that was accepted that that's the way it was Um, but as I have been practicing polyamory and been able to explore dating women um that really felt like a stronger kind of coming out experience and that was a little rocky i gotta tell you yeah how'd it go well i was very excited and kind of thought that first of all people closest to me would already kind of know and be accepting and then also the people that didn't know would just be very enthusiastic for me um and there was less enthusiasm overall than I was maybe I think I think I was expecting a little too much and um I don't know I got some like homophobic reactions and some I think probably the most hurtful was like people within the queer community feeling like there was some test to be fully included. Gatekeeping. Gatekeeping, yeah. And that like I wasn't necessarily passing the test because I've been with a man for so long. Um, And that was just kind of surprising and strangely felt like bigoted to me. Yes, it is. And to get that from within, like, my gay friends or, um, you know, just the people that I went to thinking that would be 
They'd be like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. And then they were kind of like, well, what about this and that and the other thing? But I did receive some good support as well and finding more community. So yeah, it's been a process. Sounds like it's a process. Um, really fast for the people out there who may not know. Do you want to explain gatekeeping just a little bit? I don't know if Define I have it. a good definition. Do you have a good definition? Um, you named it. Uh, so gatekeeping um, is a term that's used uh, within the uh, LGBTQIA community um, that describes individuals who put barriers um, on identities. So... Yeah. Um, for the lesbian communities, it might be something like, well, um, you have to have experienced, um, you know, prejudice growing up as a lesbian. And so if you have predominantly be, been dating men and have experienced the privilege of, um, of, of seeming heterosexual, um, then then you can't be a full part of the community. Um, right. For the trans community, it's often, um, it has to do with um, like dysphoria. If you don't feel dysphoria or if you don't want to get all these surgeries or if you don't want to um, medically transition, then you can't be a real trans person. Um, and I, for one, I think that you'd probably agree, think that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, uh, so we don't support gatekeeping in any way. Yeah, it's total bullshit, especially when it's like, aren't we supposed to be the communities for people that don't fit in or necessarily have clear shapes that fit a traditional puzzle? Yeah. So to me, it's like, if you feel a certain way or you claim a certain thing inside yourself, that's it. There's no, that's it. <laughs> that's, you get to do that. And... No one else really gets to say anything about it. Exactly. You get other, to name who you are. Yeah. Other than maybe congratulations. That's a good thing to say. So I think I was really expecting the congratulations. Oh, no. And it didn't really come. The experience that I did have that was positive um, from someone who also had a similar experience of predominantly being a woman dating men um, she totally got it. She was like, oh my gosh, it's so great. I'm so happy for you. Um, and that was, it's, it's incredible how game changing feeling like you have one ally can be. Yeah. You know, just like that she embraced me and got it and like, just, I've always kind of seen her as queer maybe because she a little more outwardly expressive with it than I have been like in in the way she claims her identity and so to kind of like be able to see someone that I look up to as queer in like open armed welcome that was that was awesome being seen and validated is so important yeah yeah so now I like I'm, I really just embrace it and um so happy that I can be more open with all parts of myself and expressive and explore them and share them. That's wonderful. Yeah. 
Um, I realized that I sort of sidestepped the question when you asked me the first time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no, like, do we need to? Um, but, I mean, might as well go. More yeah, fully. please. Um, so part of why I sidestepped this, and, um, and we've recorded this episode, or at least parts of this episode before, um, and I definitely shied away from talking about it a lot, um, was that my, my views, my position on queer identities have been very, very different throughout my life. Um, and so I think that this is a good enough place to come clean on a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so growing up, I very much did not identify as queer. Um, and a lot of it was because I didn't understand what was going on. And, um, I was also reacting in a lot of ways against, um, against different prejudices that I saw people enacting against, um, other queer people and was afraid that that was going to fall back on me. Um, so I fell back on what a lot of people do and, and I pushed a little too heavily in, in the other direction. Um, and I come from a conservative family. Um, and so, um, and so in a lot of ways I was growing up, at least in high school, um, like not anti-queer, but definitely not in support of the queer communities in any way. Um, I was part of that whole, like, I was a Christian and so God says that you shouldn't be this way. And so... Wow. And so I was doing that a lot. Um, and I, I really regret that. What I did was not great. Um, and I wasn't picking on anyone specific, but I, I definitely was voicing um, an opinion that stated that being queer wasn't right. And it took me a very, very long time to get past that. Um, and it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s that I started to really explore beyond that and understand why it was that I was coming from the position that I was coming from. Um, and, and start to explore my gender and my identity. And, um, then as far as like queer origin stories go, um, I had a very different experience as of people of acceptance. Um, I don't think that I would have been able to come out, um, at all, or even, or at least when I did if I hadn't um, built a community around myself that I, would, that I guaranteed would have accepted me in that way. Wow. So you had a safety net? Very much so. Um, I, I, I built it that way. Um, wow. I, I, I met someone whom introduced me to a very queer community, introduced me to a number of... Um, uh, transgender people who have who had already been through um, or started medical transition and introduced me to these ideas and so I started out um, started out with polyamory and then I moved on and was like okay well I'm feeling kind of weird with my gender um, maybe I'm agender or maybe I'm gender flux um, and I moved around in there for a while and I eventually came out as transgender 
And every single person within my community that I told, I, I felt no fear talking to them. Wow. Um, and, and, and I was accepted, which was really great. That's wonderful. Yeah, it is. Um, I feel guilty. Why? Like you should have had more adversity? Uh, yeah, kind of. Isn't living your life for 30 years um, prior to this discovery and revelation like enough adversity? Probably, but... Um, I mean, that sounds really hard. I also I'm not trying to minimize. I'm not trying to minimize. Like, I'm being serious. Like that, that sounds like it was really hard. Yes and no. I mean, like, I don't... I don't know. I, I honestly... I, I, I need a lot of the therapy. I don't know how hard it was. <laughs> don't we all? I don't know how hard it was. In a lot of ways, at least on the surface of, of my thoughts, I was enjoying a very privileged life. Mm-hmm. And so... In a lot of ways, my life wasn't difficult at all. Mm. Um, now, I I do believe in a, in a lot of ways that I right now suffer to some degree PTSD due to social circumstances surrounding my gender mm. um, because I was so scared of, of exploring my gender growing up. Um, but that's all like subconscious stuff like mm-hmm. I, growing up I, I had a pretty easy life I'm white I looked like a man I looked like I was heterosexual I wasn't queer at all until I tra- transitioned um, and that was a big thing um, I remember talking to a partner at the time and um, I had come out to them and was talking about my social transition and one of the things that I had to consider was that I was losing all of that privilege. Um, I mean, I'm still white. I still have privilege, but, um, but all of a sudden I am a woman and I'm perceived as a woman in, in society. All of a sudden I am a lesbian Mm -hmm. and I'm perceived as a lesbian. Mm -hmm. Um, and these are all things that I've only had to, and I say only, I mean, no one should have to at all, but, I've only been exposed to this sort of microaggression within society within the last five years. Hmm. So, so I don't know. I I feel guilty. Hmm. (laughs) But I think that it's fair that I do. What? Because it helps me to recognize that it helps me to understand more the struggles of my community. Because it helps me to better relate to and helps me to couch my perception um, of the world. Um, based upon many minorities that I come across. Yeah. Um, I think that having a, a little bit of guilt is a healthy thing for someone who has enjoyed and continues to enjoy some degree of um, Privilege. Privilege. Thank you. Yeah. 
But don't you think it's an inspiring story and that people need to hear that there can be coming outs like you've had full of support and love and community? Absolutely. That's why I'm sharing it here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I I think it's wonderful and I'm I'm I celebrate it all the time. Like, um Yeah. But I still feel guilty. I mean, okay. All right. Fair enough. I don't know. But still, that, that makes me happy to hear that, like, not every story is like, oh, and then I this happened, and then this person rejected me, and then I went through this whole dark night of the soul, and for the most part, it sounds like you had a really positive experience. It just took a while. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Absolutely. So, I, feel, I feel a lot for the people who go through all of that, though. Well, I think part of what is just coming up for me is the power of community. And, yeah, some of the things that we don't necessarily like about certain things in our community, like the gatekeeping you were talking about, um, I think it deserves to be called out. I'm not really about, like, call-out culture in general. I think there's problems with that. But stuff like that, it's like, you know, I wish I had kind of said, like, to the people I felt that from, like, hey, wait a minute, and, like, challenge it a little bit more. But, like, often things that come with, um, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, struggle, I was kind of shocked. And so I didn't, like, had the freeze response and didn't say anything. And now I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) That was really actually not cool, you know, or, um, one conversation I had, I was just, I, I kind of just ended it as, you know, I think it's might behoove you in the future to question some of these beliefs of yours and to, to work on them, to try to be more accepting. Um, cause I think that's what we all really want is acceptance. And for me, I can speak for myself, openness. Yeah. And one of the cool things, like I look up to you as a, queer person is because you're so fucking queer like you're just gay as fuck yeah and you own it and you put that out there and quite honestly you've helped me be more open and more accepting of myself just because you at least exude that personality and that aura even if it's i don't know like you're kind of a private person I would say, knowing you more one-on-one. But like out there, you're out there. Yeah. And that's a big part of why I am so out. Um, One of them is that I believe that we give oppressors so much power when we um, suppress our identities. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to do that. That's that's why I'm very open about my queer identities. That's why I'm very open about being transgender. That's why I'm very open about my mental health. Um, because I don't want to give any of that power. Um, the other part of it too, though, is to be a representative for people who aren't or can't be out. Yeah. And also so that I can speak up for the people who can't. Yeah. I mean, talk about privilege. That's kind of the main point of having privilege in my mind is being able to use it. Bingo. Yep. So what would you say 
to someone at any point in their life because it's not just you know teens like you're saying or kids or there are people that are coming to this at maybe like way later in their life what would you say um it's worth it i mean i think that that's that's a really really big and important thing to hear from however old you are or, or whatever wherever you're coming from um coming out or, or thinking about coming out in any way is that like it's hard but being on the other side it's it's worth it to live your life as you are it's worth it to be yourself it's so worth it it feels so good <laughs> what about you that, that's it. It feels so good. Yeah. Just feel like you can be yourself and whatever that entails. So what are your identities? We go through them so quickly in the beginning. Um, let's unpack it just a little bit. So this is probably not a new thing, but it has been new to me, is pansexuality. Okay. Uh, I, growing up, really only viewed sexuality kind of within the binary. Yeah. So I didn't know that there was other options or other things that were, to me, more inclusive. So when I was kind of doing some of that more exploration, like where are my attractions, what am I really, like who am I really interested in, um... To me, pansexuality was like a new discovery of like, before I would have just chosen queer because it seemed more broad and more inclusive. And I uh -huh. still do claim that for sure. Um, but pansexuality has been something I've been claiming as like, okay, this is kind of opening up sexual attraction uh, regardless of really gender playing into that. Uh, and just... Yeah, meeting more people that are non-binary and um, being like, oh yeah, gender isn't really like the main thing that factors into my attraction. Bingo, yeah. So that's been cool to explore because, yeah, 14-year-old me, that wasn't like an option. <laughs> I had never heard of it. So that's probably why I chose queer. Um, that makes sense. Um, really fast. Um can we go over ideas um, of like what bisexuality is and what pansexuality is and that sort of stuff? Sure. Uh, do you want to speak about that? I'm I always leave all the hard stuff I'm for you. You always ask the question and then I'm like, you answer it. Um, sure, 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 sure. Um, so I, I bring it up because, um, because there has been this tension um, that is sort of invented um, between bisexuals and pansexuals. And, and it doesn't really exist in a lot of places. It's just, yeah. Um, but there are a very, very few individuals who will say that bisexuality is housed strictly within the binary, that it means you are attracted to men and women. And it excludes um, uh, trans and non-binary individuals. Um, 
And I, I guess part of this is that I want to call that out and, and say that that's bullshit. Um, because bisexual for most people who say that they're bisexual means my own gender and another gender. Right. Or other genders. Um, it can ex it include many different. Um, but from what I understand and the definitions are not codified. So if you ask anyone else, they're going to tell be you different. something different. Yeah. yeah. Um, but from what I've read and understood is that a core difference between bisexuality and pansexuality is that for individuals who identify as pansexual much of the time, um, the distinction is that gender is not a factor. So I like someone regardless of gender. Um, whereas for someone who identifies as bisexual, they may say something like, I like all of these genders. Mm. Where gender is sort of a factor. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's totally fair and I completely agree with you that bisexuality is not inherently uh, reflective of the binary. Um, but I kind of think that that is the perception. It is. That it's either or as men or women. And there are a lot of people who actually choose bisexual to exclude people. And that's shit. Yeah, that's total shit. And to me, pansexuality feels more open and inclusive. And that's just for me. That's me. Yeah. That's my reasons around claiming pansexuality versus bisexuality though i have certainly gone back and forth and i'm not going to be upset if anyone calls me bisexual i've done the it's same just thing. what feels most comfortable yeah i jump around between bisexual pansexual and sapphic because i don't understand my own attraction at all <laughs> It's a mystery. It's a big mystery. Wrapped in an illusion. In a lot of ways, gender has nothing to do with it. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I feel comfortable with pansexual. But in a lot of ways, gender does have something to do with it. And most of the time, I am really, really gay. I was um, yeah. I was at a play party the other day, and, and a, a cisgender man um, came up to me asked if um, we could cuddle. I said, yeah, let's cuddle. Asked, he asked um, if we could do more. And I said, you know, I, I don't know. Give me a second to think about that because I'm really gay. And I have, to, I, have, I have to consider whether or not that's something that I want. I don't know. Right. And sometimes um, if I'm in the mood, then, then the answer would be unequivocally yes to a cisgender man. I, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Did so, you figure it out? Now I want to know. I mean, like, the story. That that night, I, the answer was no. Okay. Um, because because I was feeling really gay. Yeah. But I don't know. Is there is there a word? And, and maybe I can ask listeners to to write in or something. Is, is there a word for for sexuality that that is fluid? Uh, that is in flux. Because there's a word for gender that does that. Right. That's why, back to the beginning, I choose queer. Because okay. it's just like, you can be as gay as you want to and be queer. 
All right. All right. You know, or it would, to me, and I don't know because this isn't me, but someone that maybe were a little bit more heteroflex side, maybe okay. they like queer too because it's like, well, they're not just hetero. Yeah. Um, but maybe they don't want to or aren't feeling like it's right for them to claim bisexuality or pansexuality. Uh, and there's that lovely little queer umbrella. But I think you're right that if someone like might assume if you're a little gay, then like maybe you're a lot of gay. I don't People can assume a lot of stuff. But, I, but I'm just agreeing with you that there is, there's like a spectrum of fluidity. Yeah. Who knows? And that could change like day to day. Now all I can think about is how hot women are, though. Is that is this wrong? This is me. This is back to me. <laughs> Just I'm like, yeah, women are fucking hot. That's another episode, Caitlin. Okay, all right. Um, next time, hopefully, tune in and we can talk more. Yeah. Um, are we close about enough? how hot women are? <laughs> Let's do it. All right, then. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we close? Um, I just want to. I guess note that the LGBTQIA, the Q is there for a reason. Yes. Um, and that just kind of the main thing I always think of is like you're valid whether you have people externally validating you and your chosen identity or not. And yeah, maybe us claiming our personal identities uh, can be a little stepping stone. I think that's a beautiful way to end out. Um, this has been Dating Out Loud. Uh, thank you for listening. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Especially Facebook is super gay. Super gay. So much gay yeah. content. <laughs> it's uh, really fun. Um, follow us on Spotify. Uh, leave a five-star review on Apple. Um, yes, please, please, please. Whoever is turned on by listening to me bag, I will bag <laughs> for five-star reviews. Maybe, maybe that can be part of our... Um, That's like a kink. <laughs> part of our Patreon. Subscribe. Right. <laughs> Kink-specific Patreon. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dating Out Loud. Don't forget to like, follow, share, and subscribe.